You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In the parchment in a pear tree. Guys, see what I did there with parchment? I don't have the energy to put up with your this morning. Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host, Brendan Sinone. That beautiful voice was Chris Nee. And we got Josh Newberger as well. Hail, hail, the gang. The gang is all here. Sorry, it's rusty. It's first podcast of the new year. I'm I'm feeling jittery. I haven't even had coffee this morning. Just anxious and excited to be here with, with my friends. Hi, guys. Excited. I am excited. I like podcasting. You don't like podcasting, Chris? No, not one bit. Thanks for asking. <laughs> All right, let's start off with the parchment and the pear tree. Andrew Parchment commits to Florida State on New Year's Eve. First off, Happy New Year's to you guys. Happy New Year's to our listeners. Hopefully 2021 is fruitful and and far less stressful than 2020 was. So Andrew Parchment, the Kansas prospect, the wide receiver that FSU was in on for a couple weeks or so now at this point, he ends up committing. Christopher, I will throw this to you. Andrew Parchment, what's the significance of that commitment? I I like it. Are you a fan of the, the take for FSU? Yeah, he's a guy they immediately jumped on when he hit the portal. He's a six foot two, hundred and seventy five pound wide receiver from Kansas, experienced college player. He's originally from Cypress Bay, which is down there in the Fort Lauderdale West in the area. His twenty nineteen season at Kansas, he was outstanding. Exhibits a lot of the things they were looking for: a big body athlete who will high point the ball, go after it, can be physical in routes. Basically, a guy who can win one on ones. If you think back to this past season, whenever we talked to Kenny Dillingham. After four or five games, it was consistently, we need guys to win one-on-ones. Well, they went and got a guy who they think can win one-on-ones. So ultimately, that's what this was about. They need to improve that room. They need to add age to that room. They need to get a productive member of that room. Some of the things I like about Parchment beyond his skill set is that, you know, in talking to some people and a guy like Scott Chasen, who works for our Kansas site, talking about him, he's a self-evaluator. He's a kid that's very hard on himself seemingly wants to push himself, wants to excel, wants to maximize his ability. That's usually good signs for a kid that you're bringing in, essentially as a rental to try to improve your offense. The one negative, if there's a negative, he won't be here till May. So that's kind of disappointing. It would be lovely to get him for the spring, get him a little more integrated into the system, a little more ready to go, and obviously just have not pass catcher out there for 15 practices. Josh, I was told to not go to you for anything. So should I go to you for any information on Parchment's recruitment? Or are you gonna you're gonna bail on this one? What I say before the show doesn't actually, actually oh, it doesn't. represent my true feelings. Um no, I want to talk, I want to talk about parchment. Um I'll just play the the devil's advocate on parchment because I agree with pretty much everything Chris said. I do think he's a gonna be a highly productive wide receiver in 2021 for FSU. Um but to play devil's advocate, um, I would, you know, just caution fans that in the transfer game, there is nothing that a prospect can sign that's going to lock them in. So even though Andrew Parchment announced his commitment to Florida State, he's able to still talk to schools. Schools can still talk to him all the way up until the time that he enrolls. And there is absolutely nothing that he could do or sign or say 
that binds him to FSU or FSU to him. Um, talking to some people and they just told me, you know, hey, Parchment's a bit of a wild card. He's a high energy kid. He kind of flies around. He does some things. He makes some, he's bounced around. I mean, he's been to NIU. He's been to uh, Juco. He's been to Kansas. Now he's leaving again. Um, and I know in the, in the only team I would caution FSU fans against is probably UCF. Uh, when it came down to him making his decision, it was either going to be FSU or UCF. Um, I'm told Mackenzie Milton played a, a, a part in this and struck up a relationship with Parchment over the last like two or three weeks. I can't believe I forgot to ask Parchment about the Mackenzie Milton effect. Yeah, you really, I blew it. Sedone doesn't need coffee anymore. You said Mackenzie Milton. He just whoo, perks right up. He's all the way up. Um, but yeah, so I would just, you know, understand that uh, where things are with Parchment. Also, I don't, I don't know if necessarily Florida State wanted him to commit right now. I think for, I think Parchment kind of forced Florida State's hand on that a little bit. Um, we were in direct contact with Parchment, or Brendan was, and one of the I things got, that I got that heart emoji. Real one of the things that we were trying to learn the whole time was like, what's your timetable for your decision? Like, when do we need to 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 be aware? And then we learned that he was a May grad, so we were kind of like, okay, well, he doesn't need to make an early decision. And it seemed like he was going to hold off. And then he sends Brendan a message saying, I'm going to make a decision between now and signing day. Or I'm no, sorry, uh, now New and New Year's. New yeah. Year's. I don't like that, your negative energy, Josh. And that was like a two-week window. <laughs> so I think, you know, Florida State would have ideally liked him to hold off and commit towards the end of May when he was going to enroll. But I think Parchment's a kid that wanted to get it get it out there, make it the, the announcement. Um, he picked New Year's Eve as his big announcement date. So there's probably people listening to this podcast right now that don't even know he committed because they're just too, tuning back into FSU news after the weekend. But um, I had to hold off on getting drunk until after he committed, which was set, he committed set, set at 7.30 p.m. So. Well, I mean, I'm usually drunk by much earlier than that. Yeah, I got to admit, I'm three hours after his commitment, I was already asleep. So <laughs> my window of partying was very small on New Year's Eve. But yeah. He's he's committed for now. I don't like your negative energy. Don't be so negative. He'll be here, he'll be here in May, Chris. I said he'll be here in May. Just lie to me and make me feel better. I think Josh's Josh's point is that there's a lot that could happen between now and when he graduates in May, and then he's, I think it was May six he graduates, and like the next week, mid May or so, he's he's enrolled at FSU. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of variables that can happen, but right now that's a position of need for Florida State. It's a productive guy. Let's just. I'm, I'm be told positive. he's down south. Uh, training training he's been, yeah he's been down south for a couple weeks and i think he i don't think he goes back to kansas no he says he's down training every day right now training yeah training and i think daily. he'll be in south florida until until he enrolls at florida state there you go chris see that's all he needs now i'm happy <laughs> good job josh <laughs> one thing that i wanted to clarify real quick was the dip in production from 2019 to 2020 he had about 900 receiving yards in 2019 that went to what sub 200 receiving yards in 2020 I talked to Scott Chasen from our Kansas site about that, and it was explained pretty clearly. Kansas had one of the most atrocious offenses, offensive line and quarterback situation in college football this year. Uh, they they were – go ahead and look at the numbers. The quarterback production was awful. The offensive line production was was makeshift. Apparently they had like a converted tight end at tackle. They were moving 
guards to tackle. It's not a lot like what Florida State was dealing with. In I was going to say, hopefully Parchment hasn't hasn't read up on FSU's offensive struggles. Uh, but the and offensive, offensive line line's was. getting better here. It's getting better. Uh, they sure don't have saying that at Kansas too. They don't have converted tight ends playing offensive tackle for as bad as it got at Florida State. Uh, they did have Arthur Williams going from DT to offensive guard uh, in twenty. True. So it was more like that. So that kind of imagine a receiver uh, try to be productive with with that type of situation around him uh Tamir and terry was i suppose but uh <laughs> it was never quite that it was never quite that dire uh even what kansas was at least fsu's quarterback situation was better than kansas so anyways there you uh, go. that explains that at least to some extent uh what's next at wide receiver fellas i mean that's where we go from here we expect there to be at least one more wide receiver fsu has about five to six scholarships remaining uh, I think we're all on, on the same page, right? That FSU likely allocates one of those to either a prep wide receiver or uh, maybe if things don't work out, it, another transfer type. Yeah, the name at wide receiver is the same name. It's been hell for damn near a year now. Since March. Destin Hill. I mean, it's Destin Hill. That That's who they want to finish that class with or at least add to that class at this stage. And well, Chris, actually, to be correct, a year ago, that it was wasn't. Destin pays on. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. I have some big it's news. It's on always been quick. fat, though. Yes, yeah. it's always been fat. Some big news. Destin Hill liked the parchment commitment on Twitter. He hit the heart. He liked it. Just saying, it's not nothing. I, I've seen people posting rumors and questions pertaining to why Hill didn't sign in December. I was told simply he didn't want to. <laughs> I, I know that sounds simplistic, but it, it's up to the kid. Like he can sign whatever the hell he wants. Mm-hmm. He was in the playoffs. He didn't feel like doing it. And you know, I think to some degree he wants to still talk to a few schools, FSU among them, and make his decision. I don't think it's some mass conspiracy going on. FSU still feels very good about where they sit with Destin Hill. Yeah, I and, will and they have consistent echo that. Josh is echoing it. It's been pretty consistent the whole time. And um, nothing that they're doing on the recruiting board makes it look like they're expanding it or, or casting a net for other right. options right now. They right? didn't go after Magwood at the end. Right. They, you know, they had a couple guys that they could have, um, you know, maybe pushed on and, and gotten in at the end if they felt they needed another high school wide receiver. But obviously they took they took Hill to, to February and they seem confident in that. Um, I think it'd be – pretty disappointing if they don't land him but also you know like chris said nothing on our end none of the intel has wavered um our sources are very confident that he'll signs with fsu in february and the other schools in it alabama pretty good receiver class already focuses a bit elsewhere lsu similar to alabama i think they have one spot left but there's someone brian thomas i believe it is that they're focusing on before it would be hill Florida, you know, they made a little bit of a push there, but in talking to like Blake Alderman and Florida mm-hmm. sources leading up to the early signing period, it didn't seem like they were very all in on him. Now, maybe that that changes as we enter this final month. And I forget truthfully who the other school is. There's four other schools along with FSU, but I think Florida is the main one that we probably need to keep an eye on at this point, unless something drastically changes for Alabama. I don't. I don't think Florida is going to be back involved with them. They they kind of bowed out of the recruitment like three or four weeks before the early signing day. And from what I'm told, I just I'm I'm not anticipating Florida getting back involved with Hill. So it's kind of uh it, it's kind of up in the air. It, it it lines up good for Florida State, but again, you wonder why he didn't sign with FSU back in in December. I have a wild card for you guys that, that no one's thinking about. Texas. 
Steve Sarkeesian mm-hmm. taking the job there. Probably has some ties to recruiting him. I don't know what Texas wide receiver. They have some spots available at Texas. So they, that would be the only thing I think is if there's variables that change with like coaches and, and relationships change to where yeah. it's in a better. Supplied demand season. Yeah. So that's the only thing I think that we kind of open up for, for variables that would change is to not feel optimistic about Florida State's chances as of today here. What is it? January 4th. All we, right. we haven't deleted the scouting report from the system. It's only been in there for nine months. I should probably go in there and update it with you know senior film because he had a pretty good senior season. And also, I'm not sure if he's still Destin Paisan in the scouting report. <laughs> That's in the system. I knew him when. Chris, what's the longest you've kept a crystal ball on a player before? Does that make you uncomfortable? Oh, no, I'm fine with him with okay. that one. All right. I varied on the strength of it because I did have it as like a damn near lock for a long time. I backed off that a bit in November because things were getting a little uncomfortable. And I then amped it up a little bit late in December because oh, I was hell yeah. FSU. I didn't know we could change the, uh, I didn't know yeah. we can change it without. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's go Man, through some, every day. It's the joy of working for 24 seven. There's so many elements and depth to what we can do with the crystal balls. If you don't like it, go work for Vanderbilt. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm replacing Meatball on staff. I saw that tweet. That was pretty funny. It was funny. People hate you. Yeah. I didn't I, see it. I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> the people who were thought it was serious were the ones that cracked me up on that. Uh, let's see. Portal updates. Yay. Always portal updates. It's a gift that keeps giving, fellas. Uh, so as we think that there are about five to six spots remaining for Florida State with scholarship allocation, probably – Safe to say, what, three to four of those will be used in the transfer portal. So let's dive into some of the names, what we're hearing right now, starting with, Josh, I'm going to throw this to you, even though I was told not to, Tykes Crawford. I spoke to Tykes Crawford on Thursday, I believe it was. So I don't, I'm not sure if we, we got to talk about it on, yeah, we did talk about it on the last pod. Um, but over the weekend, I spoke to a source that's close to the recruitment of Tykes Crawford, and he told me that it's about near done to can to Arkansas. to Arkansas. I'm sorry. Arcan- Arkansas. Arkansas, buddy. Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas. Um, that it's almost a done deal to Arkansas. I know he put out a tweet over the weekend saying that he's going to announce on Monday. So we should all know sometime this evening. We're taping this on Monday morning. Um, Tykeus Crawford never had a relationship with Alex Atkins, who was at Charlotte. I know everybody wants to draw the ties. Um, Atkins had already left before Crawford was recruited. He was recruited by Lee Grimes, who is now at Kansas. Not our Kansas, but just the regular old Kansas. Um, I was also thinking over the weekend, though, you know, the Florida State message board on Knowles 24-7 has been freaking out over Tykeus Crawford ever since he hit the portal. Um, He spent one year at Charlotte and is now, you know, entering the portal and everybody just acts like Tykeus Crawford is the savior that Florida State's looking for in the portal. Everybody knows that every, that FSU needs that offensive tackle. But am I missing it with Tykeus Crawford? Because I don't think he'd start at Florida State next year. And if you're in the portal for, for what we think you're in the portal for at offensive tackle, Crawford's not the answer. But I think if you're looking for a developmental type, he can be. He can be a 22-23 guy that helps you for sure. Chris, I don't, I don't think, think anybody on the Noles 24-7 message board was saying this would be a great developmental pickup. 
Well, I am. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I got lost in the hype as well. Like, I don't know why it took me a couple of days to realize. Like, I was just sitting there and I'm like, wait. He's a step ahead in the college development than Rod Orr. I think Rod Orr is probably truthfully a better player. I like Rod Orr. Yeah, I think Rod Orr, better. if you put him side by side, I think Rod Orr is a better prospect. Also, Crawford, Crawford needs to kind of shape up a little bit. He's yeah. 6'5, um, 335, 340 pounds. Um, whereas Rod Orr comes in at six, six, what, two ninety, um, doesn't need, you know, as much reshaping, I think as Crawford would, I think, um, if we, you know, if we are to view Crawford on Florida state's board, it's definitely as a developmental guy, which, you know, I don't think fans and, and maybe even us in the beginning were portraying it that way. Yeah. I, I think it's a simple idea of you get multiple years from the guy, therefore that's the value. He's essentially the spot that that chemo would have had in in this class, uh, where mm, I think hear, hear me out. The what spot we, that Austin Uke's being recruited. Maybe for. same same thing. So initially that spot was to chemo. Now it seems to be more of a. So let's say of the five to six scholarships remaining, two of those are used on offensive tackle prospects strictly, uh, is what we believe. One of those on a transfer. Uh, who comes in as a plug and play guy. The other one seems to be kind of the wild card, right? Where mm-hmm. it could have been chemo, uh, could be another maybe a swing tackle in the in the transfer portal if you want to double down and try to double up on experience and, and roll the dice there, or the developmental prospect. Uh, yeah. Like you and here's something to watch. Um, Virginia and California have said that they're going to do some sort of spring, you know, high school spring ball. It was uh, because their season was canceled. And I don't know if it's going to be a spring season, if it's going to be spring practice, if there's going to be scrimmages involved. But those two states have said that there was going to be some sort of spring high school football. The staff is fully aware of that. And they feel that, hey, what are the odds that somebody that's six foot six, 285, 295 pounds emerges as as a developmental offensive tackle take? I think that they feel that the odds are pretty good that if those two states do some sort of spring football, there's going to be filming film emerging of some developmental type tackle guys that they could potentially go on. So I don't think that this um, spot necessarily needs to be filled with just whatever's in the portal right now. Okay, two more portal options I want to talk about at both of them are defensive ends. Uh, first is Owen Carney. The next one is Iku Liotta. We've talked about Iku Liotta from Northwestern a couple times already. Josh, do we want to do we want to delve into what happened last night over the text message machine, or, or just move on? I think it's funny, but I, I, I think know. you could just play the cut at the end of the show from before the show. I don't know if I was recording and you were talking about MF and people too, which I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if you want that out there. So that's why I've given us that. a chance to retalk about. <laughs> All right. So last night, Chris, you got to stop doing this when it's not like recruiting season. Last night, Chris put in a couple screenshots without any context at like 2 a.m. And it was like I saw all 30 a.m. Cool your jets. Just because you go to bed at 6 p.m. doesn't mean it's 2 a.m. <laughs> well, regardless, I had still been sleeping for multiple hours at this point. And I checked the text messages at 4 a.m. when I'm going to the bathroom. And let's just say I thought Leota was on campus meeting with coaches over the weekend based on something that Chris put in there. Eating donuts. Not me not realizing that it was over a year old screenshot of something. So I was just like, it, it was something to wake up to this morning. Put it that it was way. like four years old. <laughs> it's a four I was just year old. Out a relationship. That's all. It was. I'm it was, sorry. 
I, I didn't know I had to lead you to the water and help you drink the water. I thought I could just lead you to the water. Oh, man. It was a 2017 tweet of Ikuliota slamming down donuts with a uh, now an FSU staffer. So that was – and then the next text message that Chris had, though, was a picture of from Instagram of the current uh, yeah. early enrollees. So back-to-back, back, I was like, wait, so is, is – is I thought Chris, okay, here's what I thought. I was Let just trying to keep you guys abreast of multiple news items, put it on your radar. So when you Let woke up, you, at a, tell you no, 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 I, no, you wake up at an absurdly early hour. So I figured I'd give it to you and you could detect a bit for four hours. And then when I woke up at a normal hour, we could then discuss it. By the it way, got integrated was, into my dreams because of you, Chris. I dreamed of Ikuliota signing with Florida State at 4 a.m. in the morning. So the way I read the way I read Chris's hieroglyphs were that Leota was on campus for a visit over the over the weekend that somehow we missed, and it was posted on Twitter, and it was a major violation because he was eating donuts with an FSU staffer. And then it I thought the following the picture was the enrollees standing there. But and I'm looking at it and I'm like, wait, I don't even know what who Leota is or what he looks like anyway. So what am I even looking at this photo for? Uh, anyways, we say all this to say that that's something we believe FSU is pursuing, has interest in. That's something we've talked about before on the podcast. He remains uncommitted. He is from Asheville, North Carolina. Beautiful little mountain town. If you haven't been a little hippie ish, but that's OK. They have good beer there. Uh, but there's some talk. Oh, maybe he'll go to home to North Carolina to play for UNC. I do believe that he's a player that FSU would have interest in because they're still looking for another defensive end uh, in addition to Jermaine Johnson. Well, uh, the other defensive he end also has relationship with oh, some ahead. members of the staff. He is familiar with some people because he once ate donuts with some of them in 2017. That's what I was trying to point out last evening. Uh, it all makes sense now. About twelve I'll hours later, break. And the, the, the other, other guy's own Carney, Illinois transfer. He, uh, he, I talked to him a little bit a few days ago when he first really got in there. FSU has definitely had contact. That contact was initiated by Mike Norvell. Uh, Penn State, Tennessee, or a couple others. I know I've had contact. Penn State has picked up a defensive end transfer, so I don't know if they're so hot and heavy with him. He's gone kind of cold on me in recent days with regards to giving me more information. I've tried to find out. How much are you talking to FSU? What's your decision timeline look like? When do you expect to enroll at your next place of play? So that's kind of where we stand on him. I think FSU likes him. I think the addition they already have gotten at DN alleviates that a bit. And if you're watching those two guys on film, I think Leota is probably the one that most people would say they would want first. Two other names in the transfer portal, new ones that we have not discussed at all up to this point on the podcast. Both are defensive backs. One is Kenderick Duncan from Georgia Southern. He's a three-year starter at safety. Uh, really good metrics. Big physical, big physical guy. Could probably play the buck position or the stud linebacker spot if FSU were uh, to get him. FSU is interested. The other one is Elijah Jones, an experienced cornerback from Kansas. He has good metrics as well. Uh, of course, they already added the Arkansas cornerback via the transfer portal. Uh, Jarquez McClellan, McClellan. I can't say the last name, so I was trying to avoid it, but I feel like I should. McClellan, McClellan. Um, I've been told that uh, Kendrick uh, Duncan, sorry, from Georgia Southern, Mm -hmm. Derek Duncan from Georgia Southern is a is an absolute stud. He's he got a, I want to say, 
somebody that was that knows him told me he got like a second or third round draft grade and he really just wants to go and upgrade his status um he's a surefire nfl draft pick after after one year so i think he'd be an instant upgrade i know it seems like maybe a position that um fsu doesn't isn't in dire need for but i think this is one of those guys where if he enters the portal and, and you got a real chance to land him that that fsu would make room for him he also plays a position that they value a great deal on their defense because of the versatility and everything it does. Mm-hmm. He plays down towards the line of scrimmage. You can play away from the line of scrimmage with the ball in the air. You know, it's a guy that can squeak out and run. He can influence the passing game, especially when it comes to slots and interior types. So I think that's where the value lies. You know, you got a, you got a guy who you have a lot of film on. You know what he can do, and you kind of hope to plug him into a spot where last year, you know. you That was, you, that was uh, a revolver door. Yeah, so, yeah, you do it. And you had a safety department program here in recent days, Raymond Woody the third. So it's not like it wouldn't be a one-for-one type of deal in the sense of replenishing the roster. It would also, and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves in, in filling the fit there, but it would also allow Brendan Gant to remain at more of the field safety role, which he played really well against Duke at. seems like that's his more comfortable position, even when he was uh, against Boise State a uh, year before when he had a nice game as a true freshman seems to be where he's been at his best is kind of playing in that, in that space role. Uh, and that allows you to maybe move Travis J around some to like a nickel cornerback spot or, or uh, Renardo green. It just allows you to maybe get a little bit more flexibility, which I think would be a really good thing. Cause right now, I don't know who the surefire buck safety is for Florida state. Uh, the last name to go over real quick is Antonio Shelton. We talked about the defensive tackle from Penn state on the previous podcast, Chris, real quick, uh, or do we think, I guess to either of you, do we think that this guy is a surefire take for Florida State at this point? Did we get a, maybe a little bit ahead of ourselves when we talked about him a week ago? We've been told that he is not, so yeah. you know we're yeah, working I mean, with that. But there's definitely interest from FSU too. So it's one of those where you just got to kind of keep tabs on and see how it plays out. Yeah, and – I, you know, FSU is going to reach out to d- damn near every name that hits the portal. So there's some level of interest. I mean, they they are interested in knowing why everybody's in the portal, what their status is, meaning like how much eligibility do you have? They just want to have all that information on hand. So um, we, I've checked on Shelton a couple of times with people close to the Florida State program and I'm told that, you know, there, yeah, there's been some talks, but nobody I talk to expects that they're going to make a push and try to add him to the roster. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Keeping in, and we're transitioning here, but keeping in line with the defensive tackle talk, let's go to some big news that Chris picked up over the weekend. Uh, some nice scoop here. You were, what's that, the scoop? The scoop report. Do it again. do 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 do, do. Okay. I mean, we could work on that. Uh, so... If you're a subscriber at Knowles 24 7, you would have had this a couple of days ago. Chris, big Taiwan Malone dropped some news to you. I'm going to let you go ahead and, and, and now share that with our podcast audience. Yeah, I chatted with him on New Year's Day. Just want to check in with January, having hit the calendar and see, you know, are you coming to FSU? He had mentioned to Brian Dillon in late December, I think December 22nd, that he had planned to come to FSU in January. He told me that he's locked in the date of January 8th, which is this coming Friday, to visit FSU. He also shared with me at the time that most likely will expand the 8th and the 9th as far as a visit. He expects to be accompanied by family on the visit. At this point, it's the only visit locked in for January. doesn't mean he's not going to take others. In fact, I expect him to try to take others. It's just that others aren't locked in like FSU. 
He maintains a lot of contact with Odell Higgins has throughout his recruitment. He's also dealing with the baseball staff at Florida State has throughout his recruitment. He's a kid that most certainly wants to play both sports in college. One thing I found interesting while kind of researching for this quick update was that uh, Brian Doan has talked to his high school head coach. I think it's Vito Campanelli up there at Virgin Catholic. And the way he termed FSU's recruitment is consistent dialogue from the beginning. And FSU is one of two programs he mentioned that way. I think Old Miss was the other. Old Miss is probably the program that is most worth watching right now in this. The others involved are Rutgers, Tennessee, Texas A&M, USC. Um, Rutgers right down the road. Some former coaches to his school work at Rutgers, so there are clear ties. But I think the interest in baseball, football makes it an FSU Old Miss battle as things stand today. Texas A&M probably the next school I would throw into that list to keep an eye on. He plans to decide around national national signing day in February. And then the last piece of information here, Chris alluded to it earlier. Raymond Woody exits the program. He enters the transfer portal. I think the significance of that one, guys, just a couple of things. I know he's someone that Chris liked as like a long term, maybe like a two or three year starter at the end of his career. Uh, he had some ups and downs this season. More so to me, the significance is that's the first freshman from the 2019 class, the first non-JUCO or, or, or a grad transfer type of guy from that 2019 class, the lone full class for Willie Taggart uh, that that left the program. Uh, so that's the first domino, I guess, to fall. I'm not sure if there's going to be a ton more in the next couple of weeks here as players arrive back on campus. I thought initially there would be many. Uh, now I'm not sure on that. I think that may end up getting pushed back some as players had productive exit interviews, but this was uh, noteworthy because it was the first guy from from the Taggart era to kind of take a, take a chance to look elsewhere. I think that puts FSU at 86. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think so. It was either 86 or 85. Let me check. And we expect another five to six additions. So that's a half dozen. We'll go with a half dozen because, you know, worse comes worse. Probably a walk on gets the scholarship too. So a half dozen. Um, so that's 92. Do we think they lose more than seven more guys before they kick off next year? If you had asked me before the off season, Chris, I would have said probably in that range. Um, it still may happen. I just don't think it's going to be quite the exodus. So I, I think about like six or so is around the amount that I think is probably fairly safe estimation. So my point is they'll be around the 85, which is a normal limit. Now, next year is not normal. The limit's going to be expanded for teams. You know, if FSU's got, say, eight seniors back next year, they could technically have up to 93 guys. So they will be short of that number that they're, they have the potential of being at. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to be extremely short-handed. Yeah, people it's, throwing it's around fun. 75, I think, is excessive. Maybe it gets down to 80, like possibly. But that's kind of what they've been at the last few years anyways before the start of the season, yeah, 80, 82. It, it could deplete within the season and trend down towards 75. That's completely normal, truthfully, for an 85 scholarship team for it to dip into the 70s, if not the mid-70s, as the year just goes between injuries, uh, you know, this day and age of opt-outs, early departures, and – guys who just essentially walk away from it or academics force them to or something like that or a medical disqualification. So it's not unusual for it to dip a little bit from the 85 at the start of the year. Truthfully, under Jimbo, I feel like very rarely FSU was actually at 85. I think they consistently began years around 82, 83. I think the thing that concerns fans, Chris, is that they'll look at programs that don't have the turnover that FSU has had in recent years and see that those teams have 95 scholarship players because there's not the 85-man allotment. So they'll be concerned about depth, which is a legitimate concern. FSU's better off with the attrition yeah. that they've had. I, I think we're all on the same page there. Um, 
And 86 is correct. There's 86 scholarship players currently accounted for. I think FSU will probably, players are arriving, early enrollees, we'll get to that after the commercial break, are arriving right now. Classes start this week. I think sometime by the next two weeks or so, we'll have an updated roster. There may be two or three more guys that are removed, that graduated, that moved on, whatever. Maybe not even like portal guys, just guys who end their football career, decide to not pursue any, any more football Oh, maybe removed from the roster. So we'll get a full update in the next week or two coming up here. So let's take a quick commercial break. On the other side, we'll just have some fun topics to talk about, and then we'll wrap up the podcast. So stick with us. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome back to On the Bench. We are finishing up here a few different topics. Uh, first, Chris, I'll give you your, your your basketball platform, although I guess there's not a whole lot of basketball to talk about. Yeah, the men and women are, for lack of a better term, both on pause right now because of COVID-related issues. For the men, it came up Friday evening just before their game on Saturday evening against Duke, canceling that game, a game which Coach K wasn't going to coach because he himself was dealing with a COVID-related issue for Duke. So, that was disappointing. Takes away a top 20 matchup here in Tallahassee in primetime on Saturday night. That's wiped out. And then they've already canceled the at Syracuse game for Wednesday for Florida State. So that's two down. It wouldn't shock me if we see the pit game also get axed, but we're not quite there yet. We shall see. I don't know exactly who FS men's wise is dealing with it. Um, I don't get the feeling it's like program wide, but it's one of those things where contact tracing can wipe out a basketball team very quickly. So I think that's some of what they're dealing with. It's disappointing, but it's happened across the landscape, including within the league. I, I think FSU is the seventh or eighth team in the ACC now to deal with this this year and to have games postponed because of it. Um, and it was on that team side, for example, FSU side. The women are also in pause. They, uh, their game coming up with Louisville next weekend was canceled. Their game with Wake Forest here in recent days was also uh, postponed. Both of those were postponed, not technically canceled. The problem is that the schedule is so condensed for men's and women's for the ACC because they scheduled it generally pretty comparable to a normal year that finding a way to fit these games back in and play them is going to be a bit of a difficult task. One thing they've done so far is if two teams are paused at the same time and the two opponents that were coming up for those two teams haven't played or were supposed to play or for whatever reason they might schedule them kind of create some maneuverability within the schedule. So just worth watching, but I think it's going to be tough for FSU men to play 20 ACC games with the current format of the schedule. Josh, I saw you smile very big right then. Should I check my, <laughs> should I, should I, should I check my Tesla stock? Is that what that's a smile over? That's exactly <laughs> what it is, isn't it? I know what time it is. Markets open. That's what you're smiling on, isn't it? Let's look at it. <laughs> it's so green right now. <laughs> if only I didn't sell my BNGO stock at pennies on the dollar. You could retire. Almost. I could retire right now. Mm. Chris, are you going to start playing the stock market aggressively with us? Just, just for show content. No. Okay. <laughs> let's go to the, let's go to the early enrollees. I'm not surprised by that answer. Let's go to the early enrollees. We expected nine to enroll 
we have at least eight totally confirmed for, whether it's direct messaging them or uh, or uh, social media posts or whatnot. The only one right now is like I'm not entirely sure on is Jermaine Johnson, but I, but I'm pretty sure that we know he's here, right, Chris? I don't know that he's here, but I have reason to believe he is. Okay. Yes. yes, I have not. Jermaine Johnson does not like answering the phone nor text. So I don't have direct confirmation from him. Haven't seen him with my own two eyes, but I have a reason to believe he is here. I had to apologize to Andrew Parchment when he called me for the pre-write uh, because I'd called him and harassed him so much. I was like, sorry, man. Like, I just wanted to get clarity. And he's like, no, it's all good. He understood. Uh, I can't imagine what Jermaine Johnson is going to say to me because I called him a lot more than I called Andrew Parchment. Yeah, I've never called an Eden Prairie, Minnesota number as much as I've called Jermaine Johnson's. And then sometimes it rings once, right? And then sometimes it rings like five times. Sometimes it rolls over all the way. It's crazy, man. It's madness. <laughs> Who were the nine, Christopher? Uh, well, the three transfers, not including parchment, are all coming in. So that's Milton, McClellan, and Jermaine Johnson. And then from the high school signing bunch, we have Bryson Estes, Jackson West, Kevin Knowles, uh, Joshua Farmer, uh, that's four of the six. Help me I, out. I wasn't yeah. listening. I was checking the te- I was trying to sell some oh, stuff. Uh, Joshua Burrell is another one wide receiver. So another McLean. wide receiver target. Malik, Malik McLean. McLean, not a wide receiver. Yes. So those are the ones that we expect to be in here. I don't think any of the other high schoolers are going to magically show up here based on checking around signing day and some follow-up sense. Uh, like, for example, George Wilson swung through town, I believe, this weekend. I don't know if he was traveling in the state anyways for the holidays. I'm not sure why he was down here, but he did swing by FSU quickly, got a quick look, and then I believe departed town, but he's not expected to enroll early. Um, I did call George Wilson. Hell of a conversation. Oh, uh, man, if you, had, if, you had permission to play, <laughs> if you had permission for him to play that audio, Chris, and maybe ask him if you can. I think that was just a one-minute podcast in and of itself. To When people ask what it's like to cover recruiting, that would sum- summarize it beautifully. We spoke for about 32 seconds. He did quickly confirm that he did swing by and that it was his first time here. But I don't know if the connection was bad or he was trying to dodge me. I'm hoping it's the first and I understand if it's the second. But I think we said the word hello and can you hear me (laughs) about 32 times in 32 seconds. So it was a hell of an event. It was a good time. So I hope to get up with George at some point and just pick his brain a little bit more and swing him by. You should just post that as a Q&A on the site. (laughs) Hello? Can you hear me, George? Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Make, make it long form, though, so we get the extra clicks, please. Yeah, and then awesome. the one quote is like Chris saying, were you in Tallahassee <laughs> this weekend? And he goes, yeah. Are you there? I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, by and the way, the, 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 hello game. the only thing we got clarification on was the thing that we already knew from a social media post that he was in Tallahassee. <laughs> But normally I would call a kid right back after a conversation like that because I, I'm going to go with the, oh, it was a bad connection. Right. Like, no, nah, I was like, <laughs> it, it's too close to New Year's. He might be. I've had, I'm, I'm walking from this one. We're good. Yeah, He's, I've had I've had recruits just straight up hang up on me. Like I'll say, hey, it's Josh Newberg with 24-7 sports. You got a minute? And then I'll get hung up on and then I'll call right back. Hey, I think we had a bad connection. Um, This is Josh Newberg. <laughs> Well, who was the kid that blocked you? He's not here coming here anymore. He was the kid that blocked you. So I had to call him was and I was shocked. Uh, the Ole Miss uh, wide receiver. Oh, Quay Davis? 
quick quad that's right it was quad davis was you, it you just kept going over to voicemail after you got yeah. a hold of him and then i called him that's how probably the first sign that we knew he probably wasn't coming here was like, that had to be an accident I, he didn't block me on purpose brendan because you guys didn't know how to pronounce his first name i do um, quay sinone all day Qua. quay Qua. um what's what was better this this past week dan mullen's little tantrum yeah, we can have enough players, man. Dabo getting getting his butt beat a little bit. Doctor Dabo, or Miami doing what Miami does in the postseason. I enjoyed Dabo. I enjoyed waking <laughs> up to, to to Chris sending me a picture of Dabo Sweeney running out of the tunnel with a big L flag over his head. I enjoyed that made it all. Me smile. All I enjoyed of it. it all. You know what else I enjoyed? And I think I said it on this podcast on the other day was I wanted to see Notre Dame in the playoffs. The annual thrashing on the national stage is what I'm here for. And it didn't it didn't disappoint. I love to see Notre Dame make it to the big stage and just get blown out. And they they got it two weeks in a row. ACC championship game and then the playoffs. That's what they did this, to you. Bowl season is traditionally pretty bad. This year is especially awful. There have been very few games I've just sat down and really enjoyed. Truthfully, the UNC A&M game is was great. Three quarters of it was probably the most enjoyable, competitive, back and forth, played very much like an NFL game in a pace standpoint, especially in the first half um, kind of game. The, Jim, but, the Jimbo special. Well, I, I actually thought Jimbo coached a fairly good game in that game. I, I think Jimbo's back. Dare I say Jimbo was bad? I don't know about that. I think Jimbo had a very good senior-ridden team, and I think he has an extremely talented roster returning Mm-hmm. But he's replacing a lot up front on offense. I'm mm-hmm. interested in how that goes. And obviously, a new quarterback, most likely, right. which is going to be probably the most interesting storyline for them next year. And I'm not saying that's a negative with Mon moving on. I just never thought of him as a Jimbo-type quarterback. Yeah, always, and I, I always felt like the two parties were trying to work together and figure it out, and they did. But I never thought of that kid as a Jimbo quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I think he did a, a good job developing Kellen Mond, especially this season. Um, but I agree with you. I think Texas A&M is very senior laden, but Jimbo's done a really good job of recruiting since he got there. Yeah, and I got only top six, I think. I just, I just thought that it was good to see Jimbo uh, win that game and all of his players kind of believe in him again because he got it back. There was a time when he left Florida State where I didn't know if Jimbo would ever get that back, that that energy and, and just the the ability to get his team moving in the same direction again. Like, I didn't know if he'd ever get any of that back. I don't know if it would have happened if he stayed here. Um, I don't believe it would have happened. If he I, I think it's one of those things where the separation had to happen for both parties and that it has worked out for him. And I'm, I, I'm fairly indifferent towards it, but I'm fine with it. I, you know, I don't watch Jimbo and just sit there and hope he loses. Like, I... I that's sort of stupidity. Now I do when I watch FAU games, but hey. <laughs> now I like to watch just the the story itself. Like it's gonna happen whether you know whether I root for it to happen. Like if I root against Jimbo or not, I just wanted to see if this man could could pick himself back up and lead a football team again. And for a couple of years at AM, I thought he was just gonna kind of waste away as a mid-tier SEC program. And you know, here they are this year. Next year, they got some challenges, but it's been interesting to see Jimbo's kind of uh, second career take off. Did you think he had that kind of speed to get away from the Gators? No. I, I, didn't I thought they I sped that tape that. up. I saw the replay of it. Yeah, I was, I was sort of surprised by that. He got a little scoot there. 
more quickness and fast, but still he'll take it. Um, to answer Sinone's original question, I thought Mullen's comments were extremely just like unnecessary. Um, I also thought it was funny that that became like an overriding theme of the postseason, even though I think the SEC mm-hmm. went six and two in bowl games. And the ACC the UF was literally the only up. team that didn't show up. Right. So I just I thought it was kind of idiotic. Plus, I believe Oklahoma was fairly shorthanded in that game. So it's not like it was one juggernaut with a full 85 versus the other juggernaut with only 60. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like I, I think Florida kind of went out with a fizzle this year. They had a record breaking offense. Um, Kyle, they have a couple first round draft picks on offense that they're that are that are moving on and they didn't get anything to show for it. No trophies, no awards, no championships, not even a run at the playoffs. And they didn't even really recruit that well. But I mean, the one thing Mullen does, they, they're not recruiting at the highest level, but they are attacking the portal pretty well and landing some difference makers in the portal. I don't know which one of you is enjoying this dance more right now. You on UF or Sinone just thinking about Dabo losing. I do find it interesting the Florida State fans who are kind of with Dan Mullen to the NFL rumors starting to, to heat up that are looking forward to the the chaos, I guess, of him possibly doing that with what happened to the recruiting class. Why wouldn't you if you're an FSU fan? What other yeah, chance I'm, do you have of, of flipping the tables quickly? You, you just said this is this was their ceiling. We just saw it, Josh. They, mm-hmm. they lost four games, and this is the ceiling. Uh, for Maybe. I mean, you, look, he's got Emory Jones returning next year. Oh. Emory Jones really fits more what Dan Mullen wants to do than Kyle Trask. And then you also put in Demarcus Bowman behind him. You have Lorenzo Lingard. They have a really talented offensive room returning. I know I'm not saying it's going to be better than this year, and I think they they absolutely did blow it. I mean, they had a window of opportunity with Kyle Pitts, with Kandarius Tony, with Kyle Trask, and they got nothing to show for it. But they but they do return a lot of good talent next year. I feel like the NFL stuff with him is completely out of the Jimmy Sexton three years yeah. left on the contract playbook. Mm-hmm. Right. My guy just had urban. my guy just had a season which most schools would die for, you know, winning a lot of games, playing in a bowl of that magnitude during a pandemic year. But I'm not quite sure you all appreciate him like you should. So let me go get him a bigger contract. It just right. feels that way to me. And, and I know he's represented by Sexton. So and it's really I, funny. We've done that dance. <laughs> how uf fans like out of one side of the mouth they want to fire mullen but then it's like well who are you going to go out and hire and it's the 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 the, the, the so you kind of i think emotions are running high with with that fan base coming off of the season and losing the lsu game losing the sec championship game and then losing their bowl game but at the end of the day i mean dan mullen puts the gators in the best spot they could be in right now so they're better with him than without him I know a guy with state of Florida recruiting ties who's not locked down by any OC right now because he fires his OC every year. He'd be a great hire. Hmm. I, I, and I think a couple of years ago, there was a couple of graphics made um, with the UF colors on, on his shirt too, that we can Herman's recite. out there, which would be literally the only way I could ever hate UF more than I currently hate him was if they hired Tom Herman. How about urban Meyer to the Jags? I, I want to see Meyer in the NFL. I do too. I'm a Jags fan, and I would enjoy a uh, Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence dynamic. I I think Meyer can coach with the best of them. I mean, I I think it would be a really interesting thing to see. I remember when the old ball coach went to the NFL, and obviously it didn't work, but it was still intriguing. You don't I think, think we can make it a package deal? 
Trevor Lawrence and Dabo to, to the Jags. I think Dabo would feel miserably. I, I would love for them to move Dabo to uh, to go to London and Dabo have to spend the rest of his day <laughs> in London. Oh, man. <laughs> Be like banishing him to his own little island. I feel like Dabo... Very Napoleon-like. Dabo does have... There's some parallels to like the end of Jimbo's time at Florida State uh, where th- there's a few parallels. So like the only getting one national title out of a prodigious quarterback kind mm-hmm. of the walls kind of closing in a little bit from the outside, you becoming a villain uh, public publicly outside of your own university. Now he keeps winning, but yeah, this seat's going to get a little start getting toasty if they, uh, they don't win another national title in the next. Who do you here? I got a question for you guys. Who fumbled the bag more Dan Mullen with that trio of guys that I mentioned or Dabba with uh, one one championship, whichever ones. So Dabba at least got there two times. I will give him credit for that. And this year they had a lot of injuries and attrition at skill guys. Uh, what what was US record at the end of the year? What did they did they have four losses at the end of the season? Yeah, they had four losses. I mean that's that's because you had A and M, LSU, and then Alabama, the and then these. Yeah, you can't lose four games with that level of talent. Yeah, I feel like the LSU moment is probably what wins that for UF in that argument. Yeah, pretty much put the the fork in them with LSU being completely shorthanded. Mullen is a shoe in. Who, who was the third person in this equation when we started? It was, it was Miami. Miami. Again, um, in Miami, no one caring about Miami. Regionally, nationally is not anything new. Because the U ain't back, baby. And All you right. know who they opened the season with? Bama. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Take that that losing streak right into 2021. Derek King will be coming off the knee injury. That was that was a shitty development. Mm-hmm. I do like watching him play football. Um, yeah, the whole why do players opt out of bowl games got yeah. a lot of reinforcement that day. Derek King was one of a few who got banged up pretty bad that day. Yeah, unfortunately. All right, do we have anything else here as we wrap up the podcast? Oh, shout out to Barton Simmons, hired well, by Vanderbilt. That. Yeah, yeah that's big awesome. shout out to Barton. We've all worked with him. I've worked with him for 10 years here at uh, 24-7 Sports. Chris worked with him maybe even more because wasn't he at Rivals with you? I can't remember if Barton was with us at Rivals or not. That's how long it's been now since we've been removed from over there. Barton was always very much attached to Shannon. Mm-hmm. And uh, he worked really, really hard at the launch of 247 to help legitimize the company and built it up and wore a lot of different hats. I think Barton's damn good at what he does. I know people criticize him and I get it. I've been on that side of doing rankings and not to the level that Barton had to do them. It's hella difficult. You can nail nine guys, but if you miss on the 10th one, that's what people remember is the 10th. Mm-hmm. Barton definitely missed on some, but everybody does. I think Barton was extremely good at it. I love that Barton was willing to live on an island with his opinion of a kid from a national perspective and come out being right in the end. I always thought that was something that just kind of proved And he that. did a good job of dealing with the hostility that came yeah. his way. He didn't take it personal. He didn't play favorites. He didn't play to certain fan bases or certain schools or certain levels of success. He, I, I like Barton a great deal. I'm, I'm happy yeah. for him. I think it's excellent for a guy in this business to move on to doing a role like that. You know, I hope he has success there with Clark at Vanderbilt. You know, and he gets to stay home, which is nice with him being yeah. a young father, too. I think that's kind of – it was perfect deal for him. Right. Yeah. There's a pre-existing relationship for him there with his new boss. They played football together in yeah. high school or at Yale? I think in high school in yeah. that area. 
Because I believe Barton's originally from that area, correct? I think I think so. I believe so. So but yeah, good for him. Him. He's not the first to do it. We've had a couple hoops guys do it over there. Dave Tellup did it years ago from Rivals. He works for the Spurs, or at least he did work for the Spurs. Uh, mm-hmm. Dave's a great dude. And then Evan Daniels here recently left us. He was with Scout and then us. He left us, and he's in the league. And I forget. I think he might be working with CBA, which is one of the agencies. But he's made that jump too. Um, but, yeah, so it's not completely unheard of. But from a football perspective, he's one of the few that I know of doing it. Yeah. When I started, that was always something that, like, I wanted to do. Now, that was early on. Um, now I wouldn't trade it. I mean, one, we get we get paid too much here. And, two, the hours that you would have to work now. Like, I wouldn't mind it back when I was, when I was making uh, iron wages. But at this point, to be in those offices from 7 a.m. till – you know, sometimes 10 p.m. That's a it's a tough job. I think Barton's ready for it, though. You know, after doing this for 10 years and how many how many more ranking ranking updates could Brent uh, Barton really put himself through? He's just tired of hearing about five foot nine quarterbacks. <laughs> um, no, I, I I would love to do something like that. Truthfully, I, I'm always here for a different challenge within the spectrum of what I do because I enjoy mm-hmm. what I do a great deal. I, I think it would be interesting but yeah it's an undertaking there's no doubt and it's truthfully a drastically different type of life than anything else i mean you know when we're out there on the bench dealing with recruits we get there at 7 a.m and we leave at 7 p.m and you know who else is there for those entire 12 hours the coaches coaches so like we're only there about once a week and they're doing that six times a week seven times we completely understand yeah they get paid really well. They get paid handsomely, mm-hmm. but it's not exactly the easiest job in the sense of like having a life and, you know, dealing with young families and stuff of that sort. So, yeah. But no, congrats to Barton. We're happy for him. I think, I think company wide, you saw a lot of people very, very happy for Barton. I think that speaks to the kind of person that Barton is. So, who replaces Barton? Well, Josh, when are you taking a job? <laughs> we, already, no. we already know Sinone's the new meatball. <laughs> No, I'm not taking the job. Um, was that an Italian joke, Chris? Imagine, imagine Sinone working out and being the next meatball. No, but uh, I got I my think, tank top ready to go. I think we could see an outside hire, but Bud Elliott makes a lot of sense. Slide right into that role that he was already, you know, kind of doing with Barton. Barton and Bud no more, but hey, Bud and Brendan and Bourbon podcast, I'm Contract negotiations. I'm open for it. Push me up to the big spotlight. Let's do it. I'm ready for the big show. We're ready to promote you to the Nolcast. Get you out of here. <laughs> Moving up for the minor leagues. I think, I think we should end the podcast now. <laughs> All right. Just end it. Get All us right. out of here. Bye. new season of the original hit series mayor of kingstown my job is to create a balance avoid a war 
From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.